Trump asserts executive privilege over the Mueller report while William Barr gets his held in contempt of Congress. Some of Trump's tax returns get released, and for some reason, the media is surprised by the findings. And the most important story of the week that has been virtually ignored. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Well, I've been busy trying to get this podcast going, working on the website. Uh, I finally, looks like I'm finally going to get this podcast sent over to iTunes. Now I'm working with Google Play. So things seem to be going pretty good. Uh, this is 16th, 17th episode, so I'm pretty comfortable with how it's going now. I think I'm getting better at it. But I, this podcast, I really, I was sick earlier this week. I really had trouble getting into it, especially these stories. And, and it just the stupid continues, and I'm losing interest and probably won't talk about it much anymore. Uh, but I guess... You know, nothing else in the world is happening, like, you know, Venezuela overthrowing United States, sailing, sending the military to the Middle East and and uh, Kim Jong-un launching missiles. But, you know, this is what's important here. Uh, we got to fo- we got to still be focusing on the biggest non-crime in U.S. history. Uh, last week or earlier this week, uh, last week, Attorney General William Barr refused to testify in front of the House Judiciary Committee because of the format of the interview. Uh, Representative uh, Nadler, I can't remember his first name, I think it's Jerry Nadler, a Democrat from New York and the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, then requested the uh, Mueller report uh, fully unredacted and available to all uh, committee members. Excuse me, all members of Congress. I'm sorry, it's a big difference. That includes grand jury testimony, information hidden for national security, and information to protect witnesses. In all, uh, Barr released, Barr redacted less than 10% of the report. Now, what's ironic here is Barr said, okay, we can, we can actually go in and release some more. Barr did. Barr released a report at the DOJ that has less than one and a half percent reduction. Five Republicans actually read it and zero Democrats read the report. Then William Barr decided, okay, the uh, House does have a skiff. A, a skiff is a secure room. It's a classified room. I'll send the report to the skiff and allow the Democrats to read the report. Not one showed up. They want the complete unredacted report available to all citizens. Of course, Barr's not going to do that. He can't. What was redacted is required to be redacted by law, and that is actually Rule 6E that was voted by the Congress which is a little bit ironic. Congress has already uh, decided it. It's a done deal. Of course, Congress, as just miserable and worthless as they are, could probably change the law if they just got together for 15 minutes. Congress made the law. Congress can change the law, but they're not doing that. Because Barr won't break the law, Nadler is threatening Barr with contempt of Congress, which on Uh, Thursday, he actually got. 
he got a contempt of Congress. Barr, in order to avoid uh, contempt, of co contempt of Congress, went to Donald Trump and actually asked him to exert executive privilege and block the, their attempt to get the redacted report. Well, they decided, well, we're going to give him, we're going to uh, call him in contempt anyway, and it's done. So what does this exactly mean? This is the big thing. Um, executive privilege is actually a real vague term. It's not used too often. Uh, basically, it protects the president in a few ways. Attorney-client privilege, which doesn't really seem to be something that works here. Uh, state secrets fall under the uh, rule. Um, that might fall, that might or might not fall under the executive privilege. Uh, and conversations between advisors and foreign countries are protected. So if Trump is having a conversation with the Chinese, like he is today, that would be protected under Rule 6E of the, of the law. But again, we don't really know because we really don't know what is redacted. Um, it's really unclear about the contempt charge also. Uh, Barr never lied and the redactions were not done on his own or with the president. Mueller and Rosenstein, no fans of the president, uh, had input on what needed to be redacted. So the CIA, the FBI, and other agencies were certain testimony uh, actually affected. So the redactions are legitimate. Not to mention something I always seem, I always am amazed by. If Barr had actually redacted something, don't you think Mueller would have said something? And Mueller hasn't. The only thing he was upset about, which again, the uh, Congress is at, which again, the Congress is saying he lied. The only thing Barr, the Mueller was upset about is that he did not, Barr did not release the 19 pages of executive summaries for both volume one and volume two of the, um, of the uh, report. And he wasn't upset with Barr or he didn't agree with what Barr said in his summary. He simply thought, he, and matter of fact, he blamed the media for the whole thing because he said the media was coming up with the wrong information. So none of this stuff makes any sense. If I had been asked the same question, hey, did Mueller have any problems with your summary? I'd say no, too, because Mueller didn't have a problem with my summary. He just wanted he just wanted him to release more of it. And Barr decided, well, we're not going to release more of the report. I'm just going to re release the report. So this whole thing has gotten stupid. Um, today, it got even more stupid. Uh, I can't remember what I'm saying. It was just released. Oh, yeah. So Congress has decided that they're not actually going to uh, they're not actually going to issue the contempt or vote on the contempt. What they want to do is they want to package a bunch of contempt orders into one big contempt bundle, I guess. Not sure what they're sticking in there. Um, I'm sure they're going to nail him for not giving him the redacted report uh, and probably uh, for lying to Congress when he said Mueller didn't have a problem with his summary. Uh, that was literally maybe an hour, hour and a half ago. So. That's brand new news. I haven't uh, put it in my notes, so I almost forgot about it. So what exactly 
going what is exactly going to happen um what's happening here what's happening here is the democrats narrative of the last two and a half years is, is gone it's destroyed they don't have another narrative their hero robert Mueller, gave them nothing and they've got to keep this narrative alive i mean you've still got adam shift and swalwell eric swalwell whatever his name is sitting there and saying that uh trump colluded with the russians okay it's they're still saying it and then he obstructed when in fact it was actually the Mueller report really did say he didn't collude with the russians absolutely no evidence he did it even though he did not say I exonerate Trump. He also did not say I can't exonerate. I can't not exon. I can't exonerate him, well, like he did with the obstruction. The obstruction. There's not enough evidence. So, if there's not enough evidence, he may not be fully exonerated. But you can't convict him anyway. This whole thing is going to end up in court. It could be in court for years. And considering, as far as the redactions are concerned, considering. Uh, Barr won a won a lawsuit that was just a couple of months ago, saying that grand jury testimony can't couldn't be opened, couldn't be released. That part of the court is probably not going to, not even going to see a judge. The judge is probably going to say, "We've already talked about this. It's done. Nothing is going to come of this. This is a complete waste of time." And it's going to cost more money, more time, and meanwhile, nothing is going to get done. The next story, again, this again is a very unimportant story, but the news media is blowing it out, uh, has to do with uh, yesterday some of Trump's tax returns from uh, 1985 to 1994 were released. Uh, I'm not sure what's, and, and well, the media has made it out like this is some fantastic news. I'm going to talk about why it really isn't. But apparently Trump lost a lot of money. Uh, he lost about $1.2 billion in that 10 years between 1985 and 1994. Um, the, media, the media is just not only amazed, not only trying to convince all of us that this is just incredible, they are actually kind of vicious about it. Uh, here is this is the the one that really sticks out. Here's Don Lemon giving his comments. And by the way, this was his uh, this was his introductory speech. He it was ten minutes long. If you go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, you can actually watch the entire uh, monologue. But listen to Don Lemon here. And here's what they found that during those years, Trump lost a staggering $1.17 billion, $1.17 billion on his casinos, on his hotels, retail spaces, in apartment buildings. Casinos. Casinos losing money? You know what they say about gambling, casino gambling, right? The house always wins? Well... <laughs> not always. Not if it's a Trump casino. <laughs> Come on. Who loses money at a casino except for the person gambling, not the owner? Is anyone really surprised that President Trump doesn't want to release his tax records? 
I mean, what an ass. What a jerk move. Sitting there laughing at a guy when he lost $1.7 billion. The reaction from the media is probably the reason I, I wouldn't want to release my tax records. No matter what is in them, he's going to get blasted. If he makes money, he's part of the 1% and a bad man and shouldn't be president. If he loses money, then he's incompetent. He's incompetent in business and shouldn't uh, be running the company. If he is not worth, if he's not worth as much as people, as the people think, the media will just make fun of him. I, or I'm sorry, if he's not worth as much as the people think he is, the media is just going to make fun with him. It, there's a no-win situation. The media and the Democrats keep saying they want to see his tax records because they want to make sure that he hasn't done anything illegal. Mind you, they say that and have absolutely no evidence that he's ever done anything illegal. Uh, it's also a really stupid thing because it's not Congress's job. That's not the media's job. It's the IRS's job. And he has been in business since the 60s, 70s, and he's never got had a problem with uh, the IRS. They've never sued him. He's been audited. But if you're worth a couple billion dollars, of course, you're going to get any audit. You're going to get audited. All of the Democrats are trying to do is find new dirt. They they know they need a new narrative. The whole the story before this story, the story about the uh, contempt and the Mueller report, and all that stuff. The reason Democrats are hanging on to that story is because it's 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 a rope that gives them time. It's a delay tactic, giving them time to find another narrative. And that's why they're pushing this tax record thing. They honestly believe they had something with the uh, with the obstruction and collusion or conspiracy thing. And then when it turned out to be nothing, now they have to find a new narrative. And the next best thing is Trump's tax records. This is something else, and I don't know how much you folks knew about Donald Trump, but I remember Donald Trump from the 80s. And one of the things I do remember is I remember him losing a lot of monies in the 80s and 90s. I knew that he lost a lot of money throughout his career. He went bankrupt four times. Everyone knew this. It was in the papers. It was in the media. He had even said it. This is all public record. But, I mean, you could probably look it up on the Internet now and you will see newspapers that are talking about it. But the media and the Democrats act like this is some huge, big surprise. As a matter of fact, I tell you what, it was so little surprise for me. I didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I wasn't sure. He takes a lot of risks. Risks. He's a cowboy when it comes to economics and taking economic risks. And I wasn't sure that would translate well when you're trying to run one of the largest, most complex economies in, in the world. So I didn't vote for him. Turns out uh, he it turned out real well. He actually turns out to be a very good economic, careful economic uh, president. Uh, here's the reality. I don't care if uh, Trump releases his tax returns. I really couldn't care less. I don't think it would be a bad thing because it would be nice to know as much as possible about the country's president. I mean, he is he really shouldn't have anything hidden away. But 
I I would vote for him in 2020, no matter whether he releases them or not now. And that's simply on his record. I don't really care what he did in the past. I think the reason that Trump is not releasing his tax records, not because he's doing anything shady, but because of his ego. I have a feeling he's not as rich as he makes himself out to be. It's important to Trump for people to believe he is one of the richest men in the country. It's part of his image that he's tried to establish for decades. And I believe his image would be tarnished if people found out, well, he's probably not worth it. He's not even worth a billion dollars. I think that would hurt him. And it would hurt his ego more than anything else. But I don't blame him for not releasing it. Um, the above just shows the mockery he goes, mockery that happens uh, when they get something negative on him. I mean, Don Lemon, and he's not the only one, Don Lemon seemed to be enjoying that uh, another man's failure or another man's struggles. I think that says more about Don Lemon than it does about Donald Trump, by the way. Something else that really bothers me is the leaking thing. It is illegal to leak that information. Again, more leaking, everything to get Trump. Well, for me, it just makes Trump stronger. And it, it makes me like him more because it shows me that this guy is being successful, even though he's got the world against him. But those previous stories, those are not the big stories. They really are not the big stories. The big story is the trade war with China is picking up steam. And this time, I'm not a good Trump fan when it comes to tariffs. The president raised existing tariffs on $250 billion worth of Chinese goods to 25% across the board, up from 10% in most cases, and began the process of placing 25% tariffs on further $325 billion worth of goods. The idea... The idea here is to even the playing field with China, which has taken advantage of our current trade deals. Uh, for the last couple of days, the Chinese in the United States have, and by the way, that happened today. So that was this morning. For the last couple of days, the Chinese in the United States have been negotiating a way to end the trade war. Some assume that the new round of tariffs are to force the Chinese to work harder during the negotiations. But if that's the case, it backfired. Uh, China responded by saying they deeply regret the U.S. move and uh, will respond and will probably respond within the next couple of weeks. President Trump, as usual, jumped to Twitter to give in his two cents, which kind of makes sense. He did make the decision. Talks with China in uh, hit this tweet. He actually broke it up in three different sections. Talks with China continue in a very congenial manner. That's weird. That's kind of a weird word to use. There is absolutely no need to rush. If there's no need to rush, why did you raise tariffs? As tariffs are now being paid to the United States by China of 25% on $250 billion worth of goods and products, these massive payments go directly to the Treasury of the United States. Yep, and it ends up being U.S. citizens who get screwed on that. We'll get into this. The process has begun to place an additional tariffs on 25% of remaining $325 billion. The U.S. only sells China approximately $100 billion of goods and services, a very big imbalance. That is true, by the way. Um, that's because we had a really lousy uh, trade deal with China. So he's absolutely correct there. 
With over $100 billion in tariffs that we take in, we will buy, we will buy, sort of. Uh, we'll get to, get into all of this. Tariffs will bring in far more wealth to our country than even a phenomenal deal of the traditional kind. Wrong. He's absolutely wrong there. Also, much easier and quicker to do. Easier and quicker does not make it right. Our farmers will do better, faster, and starving nations can now be helped. I'm not sure where he got that from. I maybe need to review that a little bit. Waivers on some products will be granted or go to a new source. That's not a good thing. Uh, Trump is, isn't afraid to go to the mattresses with China, and I can see why in a way. Uh, China's economy is not as strong as ours by any stretch of the imagination. When the United States struggled during the Great Recession at the end of George W. Bush's term in 2009, China's economy fell into a depression. See, the United States is the biggest importer from China. When we are in a recession, their economy suffers exponentially. Trump's thought is, if we use tariffs, we will raise prices on Chinese exports, forcing U.S. business and citizens to buy American. This could work, but there are some risks, and uh, some of the risks have actually uh, proven true since the beginning of the trade war. Here's the thing. Tariffs are not as great as President Trump makes them sound. In fact, one could say that the that we're just ta putting on another tax on all of the industry except the industry that actually benefits. In other words, if we put a tax on steel, well, the steel industry benefits from tariffs, but that's it. Everybody else actually suffers. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. I own a business that builds widgets. Each widget needs a pound of steel. The United States sells steel for $10 a pound, but China sells it for $5 a pound. Trump puts a tariff raising Chinese steel to around $15 a pound. Now I have a choice. Do I pay $10 a pound and pay, pass the extra cost onto those who buy my widgets, or do I move my factory to Mexico or Canada or China where there are no tariffs, you're not going to move to China. No, it's going to be centralized. Or where there are no tariffs, and I can get my steel for $5 a pound. Harley Davidson faced this exact issue. When Trump put a tariff on steel from Canada, Mexico, and the EU, Harley Davidson's costs went straight through the roof, and they ended up moving their factory to Europe. Trump was ticked about it. But for Harley-Davidson, this was a good move. This shows you that one of the things we need to do is, one, make sure if we're going to go into a trade war with China, we really slow things down. We really do this as a temporary fix. We don't do this as a permanent fix. The next thing we need to do is actually fix our economy. That's really, we've got some real problems in this economy. We need to fix those problems so we don't have a trade deficit with China, so that people can buy stuff that's probably that's made with better quality and more innovation than China has. China still is very much a uh, isolated country. They're a centralized socialist country bordering on fascist uh, socialist dictatorship. 
they cannot keep up with the United States if we let the free system work. Now, that's big talk. So I'm going to do something. The big question you should be saying to me, well, Gene, great, fantastic, wonderful idea. I, I agree with you 100%. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to do something that politicians typically don't do, and I'm going to tell you how we should do this or how I believe this can be done. The first thing we need to do is take a look at the debt. The debt is at $22 trillion. Okay, let, let's let's back that up. Let's, let's not go into the debt yet. We're going to go into the debt a little later. First thing we need to do is make our industry stronger and more competitive with industries overseas. We have the most oil. We have the best steel. We have the most agriculture. Why are people buying steel from China? Why is it cheaper to buy steel from China than the United States? First thing we need to do, and this is not going to be ha make a lot of liberals happy, is kill the unions. Unions are driving wages way above the value of the work being done, and additional costs are being passed to the customers. This is not talked about too much. Unions have had their place when uh, kids were losing their hands and machines, but they have lost their value today and have become too much of a political power. They're actually not helping the workers that much. But this leads this leads to, again, business not being able to control their labor. And business needs to be able to control their labor. Unions fight that. So unions have to go away. And I'm surprised we don't talk about this because this has been a problem for decades. I mean, it was a problem in the 80s when Ronald Reagan uh, killed the air traffic controller union. They became too powerful. So we need to get rid of unions. Next, we need to lower taxes on manufacturers. The less manufacturers have to pay in taxes, that includes payroll taxes and all the other taxes, the less it costs to make the product because taxes is actually rolled up into the cost of the product. That will lead to reinvestment into the company, which typically leads to better technology, better research, and more jobs. It also lowers the cost of the product. With that, with that, we also need to ease unnecessary regulation. Now, I'm not saying you get rid of all regulation. Then we're going to be back to 1901 and kids losing their hands in machines. But we need to lower our regulation. Regulation has costs. And a lot of regulation does not actually make, uh, make any sense. A lot of regulation is just completely unnecessary. Regulation costs businesses money. To maintain the compliance and some of the things they have so that again that compliance that money they have to spend to remain reg to ma maintain compliance with unnecessary regulations gets right passed right down to the consumer along the lines of regulation and what i had just said let business control their own labor Raising minimum wage is a terrible idea. One philosophy of economics I learned in college is that in a free market system, the worker cannot earn what they are worth. I can't remember who's, I, I wish I could remember who said that. And I've actually looked it up, but, and I've seen some quotes that were like it, but 
And it may have been something my teacher had ad-libbed at the time. But the idea is business will pay the worker a fair wage. They have to. That fair wage is based off the market. If a business tries to underpay their workers, they will either get a lower quality worker or no workers at all. Because people are free. They can quit and get another job. It's in the business best interest to pay an employee a fair wage. Government shouldn't be making any determination about what a uh, business has to pay their wages. The market will determine it, and most of the time, business will actually kill uh, uh, the government. Will actually the government trying to control wages will actually kill the business, and they'll kill jobs. Now, this is a. It's not a shock that. The left wants to actually raise minimum wage to $15 an hour, a living wage. But that's socialism. Here's the problem. On, social, on the socialist look, you raise the minimum wage, inflation goes up too. So let's just say I go to McDonald's, someone earns $10. Now they're earning $15 an hour. Where, what's going to happen? The Big Mac's going to go up 33%, 33 to 35% to maintain the profit margin. People stop going to McDonald's because they can't afford it. McDonald's lays off people to keep their profit margin, and you have socialism. Eventually, the business just collapses. That's socialism, and it's not going to work. It's never worked. Finally, the biggest issue, and this actually goes along with um, another reason not to raise tariffs, is uh, the United States needs to control their national debt. Now, I know that a lot of folks know that the national debt is at $22 trillion. Well, that's actually not the true national debt, and I have brought this up in a podcast before. The national debt is between 70 and $80 trillion. Of that $22 trillion, you, what everyone ignores is things like college debt, Social Security, Medicare, other expenses. College debt, everyone uh, may forget that the college, um, actual college tuition loans were made by the government in 2009 or 2010. Banks do not issue loans anymore. It's actually done through the government. And they took on that extra debt. Uh, the $22 trillion, for the most part, is some foreign debt, but it's mostly debt on um, a welfare, uh, things like that. It's, it's just some programs that the country actually um, takes care of. So that's what they focus on. Um, uh, how the government's run, running the government, the military things like that. It's just basically day-to-day -day maintenance of the government. Of that $22 trillion, we owe China $4.01 trillion. This, again, is another reason not to basically wave the red, uh, the red flag at, at uh, the bull over there, because they do own, uh, I think it's 35% of our debt, 20, 25% of our debt. They own... I'm sorry, what is the percentage of the debt? I have this written here. 28% of our debt. They own 28% of our debt, and we do not need to piss them off. There's really no uh, tick them off. Excuse me, I might have to cut that out. 
We don't need to tick them off. It's just not necessary. But this debt needs to be controlled or we're going to end up like Greece in 10 years. And that's not an exaggeration. A lot of economists are saying that. Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan, all of the presidents since I can't even remember, not in my lifetime, have all been irresponsible when it comes to spending, when it comes to debt. And that includes Trump. That includes Reagan. That includes Bush. Even conservative or air quotes, conservative uh, presidents have never controlled the debt. It's not just been Republicans. But we need to control that debt. We need to get off the nanny state because we're going to end up having to cut that stuff later. And we see, saw what happened. So we need to bring our, we need to bring our debt under control. Well, that's far more about the Chinese trade war than I thought I was actually going to bring up. Um, uh, next week looks like it could be interesting. There was no uh, news dump like there usually is on a Friday. So it was actually pretty quiet. But uh, if you want to, please follow me on Twitter at RunninFool. That's at R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. And visit my website. I've got a little bit more information, um, uh, which is at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Uh, you folks have a great night and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.